When last we checked in with the Pchemosleeds, Ottokar I had managed to get the Golden Bull of Sicily from the Pope, allowing him to become king with a hereditary title, which meant his descendants would also be kings. It was a long and difficult road, but at long last there was some stability in the region. The Pchemosleed family could finally stop stabbing and blinding each other and get down to the business of ruling. Well, except that the threats continued, this time from outside, and then also from inside, and then again from outside. A city is much more than just a collection of buildings. It's a location, it's a history, it's a culture, it's ideas and ideals, and a city is also, most importantly, the people in it. This is Prague Times, the podcast that takes a look at the city of Prague in the Czech Republic. With more than a thousand years of history, there's a lot to talk about. We'll talk about the past of Prague, but we'll also talk about the city as it is today, future plans for the city, and much more. It's Prague then, Prague now, and Prague later. And this is Prague Times. Václav I, 1230 to 1253 CE. So Ottokar's son was named Wenceslas, or Václav in Czech, and he became King Václav I. This is opposed to good King Wenceslas of the song and Christmas Carol, who was actually not a king but a prince. King Václav's first nickname was One-Eye. Three guesses as to why. Frederick II, the new Duke of Austria, was in a bit of an expansionist mood and was causing some seriously ruffled feathers. After all, Frederick's nickname wasn't the Quarrelsome for nothing. One of his holdings was the Lombard League, just south of the Alps in what today is northern Italy. He grabbed so much for himself that the Holy Roman Emperor, also known as Frederick II, just to make matters confusing, another Frederick, went to war with his Austrian namesake. In 1236, Holy Roman Emperor Fred banned Austrian Fred and called on all kings in the empire to rally to his aid. Yes, that means you, Václav I. And after some dithering, I agreed to send some troops. Austrian Fred fled Vienna to a city 60 kilometers south, usually called Wiener Neustadt, which means Vienna Newtown. The Holy Roman Emperor took Vienna and added Austria to his domains, also taking the Duchy of Styria, which was a region south of Vienna that includes Graz and goes all the way down to Slovenia. Bohemian Václav I was none too pleased with all this new Holy Roman Empire land along his southern border as well as along his western border, which is where it normally was. He felt like maybe he was kind of getting squeezed by the emperor. So he started talking with Austrian Fred, who was still maintaining a rump state from his base in Wiener Neustadt. Austrian Fred offered up some land north of the Danube in exchange for help, and then somehow Václav also got the Holy Roman Emperor Fred to allow that land to be added to Bohemia. The two schemers had also been talking with Duke Otto II of Bavaria, whose nickname was The Illustrious. Mm -hmm. In 1239, Václav and Otto cut ties with Holy Roman Emperor Fred when he was excommunicated at the Imperial Diet held that year in Eger, which is in modern-day Hungary just northeast of Budapest. Plans were laid to elect an anti-king in his place, but these plans would have no success for seven years. Turmoil, needless to say. 
1238, Václav founded the town of Brno in Moravia, and in 1240, he founded the town of Olomotz, and in the same year, he gave a town charter to Old Town in Prague. In 1241, Batu Khan of the Mughal Empire and his general Subutai invaded the Czech lands while they were stomping around all through Europe. Hungary had already pretty much fallen, and so Poland, Moravia, and Silesia were next on the menu. Václav I's brother-in-law, Duke Henry II, nicknamed the Pious, of Silesia, asked Václav to help him out with these Mongols. So Václav started rounding up a force of 50,000 troops to go help Henry. Václav and his army were about a day's march from where the battle was going to take place when he got word that Henry had grown impatient and, with a little help from some Moravian troops and a handful of troops sent from the Pope, he had attacked the Mongols before the Bohemian troops could get there. And he lost very, very badly. So Václav, not one to waste materiel and personnel, hightailed it back to northern Bohemia to prepare for the Mongols, getting reinforcements from German lands. He managed to successfully fend off the invaders from cities in southern Milesia and Olomouc in Moravia, and even captured a Mongol commander in Olomouc. Turned out Václav was very good at defending his lands, making Bohemia one of the few areas the Mongols never conquered or even really got much of a foothold in. Not bad, one eye! When the Grand Khan died the next year in 1242, the Mongols retreated to the east, in order to protect the three direct descendants of Genghis Khan they had in their ranks and to elect a new supreme leader. So the threat seemed to be over, at least for a while. Václav was a bit of an urbane king, embracing customs that were spreading throughout European courts, like people listening to poems and songs, the holding of jousts and tournaments, all that stuff we associate with medieval court life. Trade and business were also really starting to flourish for Bohemia, and the House of Przemyslid was gaining prestige and enormous political power. Václav encouraged strong ties with ethnic Germans, and he was the first Bohemian ruler to give Jews privileges, provided they paid a rather hefty tax to the crown. More towns were founded under his reign in addition to Brno, Olomouc, and Prague's Old Town, including Yihlava, Cheb, Loket, Pserov, Stsibro, and Zatetz. In 1246, Austrian Fred, still hanging out down in southern Austria, got into a scrap with Bela IV of Hungary, and he was killed in the Battle of the Leitha River, throwing his line of secession into chaos for a number of months. Now, since Austria was in a bit of a mess, Václav thought, hey, maybe he could grab it for himself and just add it to Bohemia. But Holy Roman Emperor Fred placed those lands under direct imperial rule, so no go. When the dust settled to the south, Austrian Fred's niece Gertrude came out on top, since there was nothing in the rules of secession preventing a woman from taking over, and she became Duchess of Austria and Styria. Thinking quickly, Václav convinced her to marry his eldest son, Vladislav. But then Vladislav died in early January 1247, and there went those plans. He's just not having a lot of luck, old Václav. The next year, 1248, another one of his sons, Ottokar II, joined a bunch of cranky nobles in an attempt to overthrow him. So it seems like the Pshomosleeds are still going to play this Game of Thrones business a bit. However, the rebellion failed, and Václav had his son thrown in prison. He still had his eye on Austria, just the one eye, and when Gertrude's new husband died in late 1250, and then shortly after that, Holy Roman Emperor Fred died, Václav finally successfully invaded Austria. 
He released his son Ottokar from prison, naming him Margrave of Moravia and Duke of Austria. To firm up the claim, Ottokar was married to Austrian Fred's sister and Gertrude's aunt in 1252. So, woohoo! He finally got Austria. But then Václav died in September 1253, and Ottokar became king of Bohemia. Ottokar II, 1253 to 1278 CE. Ottokar II was known as the Iron and Golden King and held not just Bohemia and Austria, but would add Styria, Carinthia, and Carniola as well before he was done. It was under Ottokar II that the Przemysleeds would reach the apex of their power in the Holy Roman Empire, but actually he'd had even bigger plans than that, which never came to fruition. It's kind of one of those funny things that he ended up in the saddle. He'd been greatly affected by his brother Vladislav's death and had vowed to give up politics, spending his time hunting and drinking, living in Brno after the Mongols had left to go elect a new Khan. He'd then been convinced to take part in the nobles' rebellion against his father and been thrown into prison when that failed, and for trying to oust his father, Pope Innocent IV had excommunicated him. But once Václav had released him and put him in charge, first of Moravia and then the newly conquered province of Austria, he seemed to get a bit of a taste for it. In fact, he'd been making alliances behind the scenes, hoping to get himself elected as Holy Roman Emperor. Ottokar's cousin, Bela IV of Hungary, who'd killed Austrian Fred, tried to kick Ottokar out of Styria through a combination of military and legal challenges. The Vatican intervened and brokered a truce that gave Bella some bits off of Styria, but also cemented Ottokar's hold on the rest of it and all of Austria. Up north, along the Baltic Sea, the old Prussians were still carrying on in their pagan ways, so Ottokar led two crusades against them. These were pretty successful, and the Teutonic Order founded the city of Königsberg in Ottokar's honor to be the seat of the newly formed Duchy of Prussia. Konigsberg today is called Kaliningrad and is part of modern-day Russia, that weird little odd bit on the Baltic Sea that's cut off from the rest of Russia by Poland and Lithuania. Ottokar then returned to Prague and founded Malastrana as a town in 1257. But there was more conflict with the Hungarians to come. In 1260, Ottokar slapped cousin Bela IV around at the Battle of Kressenbrunn and got back the parts of Styria that he'd had to give up earlier. Richard of Cornwall, King John of England's second son and king of all Germany, had lent Ottokar his support. To firm things up, Ottokar ended his marriage to Margaret that had been arranged by his father. She was 26 years older and they had no children, so the union was just annulled. Because I guess if you don't have children, you're not married. And instead, he married Bella's granddaughter, 15-year-old Kunigunda of Halich. But Ottokar still had his eyes on the throne of the Holy Roman Empire and used his access to Richard of Cornwall, as well as leveraging friendly relations with Alfonso X of Castile in Spain to shore up his chances. There'd been no Holy Roman Emperor at all since Holy Roman Emperor Fred had died in 1260, so hey, why couldn't it be him, huh? In 1266, he grabbed a swath of land near the German border known as Egerland, which is where the city of Eger sits, today called Hep in Czech. 
He got treaties signed that gave him Carinthia, Carniola, and the Vindic March in 1268, and the next year, in 1269, he got Friuli after a skirmish with the Hungarians. So now, Ottokar II ruled a large bunch of land stretching from Bohemia in the north all the way south to the Adriatic Sea. He was the most powerful king in the entire Holy Roman Empire, and yet he still wanted to be emperor. In 1272, Richard of Cornwall, his buddy, died, and Pope Gregory X called for a new election for an emperor. Rudolf of Habsburg, known affectionately as the Little Count, won, and Ottokar was not too happy about this. He rejected Rudolf's election, so Rudolf said all lands that anyone had been given since the death of the last Holy Roman Emperor had to be given back to the empire. Ottokar played for time, retreating to the Hofburg in Vienna, a massive fortress he had built there. Yes, the famous Hofburg of Vienna was built by the Czech king Ottokar II. A member of the powerful Witkovci clan named Zavish of Falkenstein started a rebellion. Jealous of the Przemyslid's hold on power, he and Ottokar had butted heads on several occasions. Ottokar had founded Czeska Budjevica as a royal city in 1265 under his banner in order to weaken Witkovci power in southern Bohemia. In 1276, Ottokar's feud with the new Holy Roman Emperor ramped up when Rudolf put an imperial ban on Ottokar. Once this happened, Zavish saw an opportunity and attacked Budjevica and Zlata Koruna. Ottokar needed help, and the only person who seemed to be able to help him out was Rudolf, the Holy Roman Emperor, who he didn't like. So in exchange for Rudolf's assistance in slapping down the Vitkovci, he relinquished all those lands that he had received by hook and by crook, keeping only Bohemia and Moravia. Zavish was defeated and had to run away, but then Rudolf, twisting the knife a little bit, insisted that Ottokar restore Vitkovci lands and estates in southern Bohemia to that family. Well, this was just too much for Ottokar, who then turned on Rudolf's forces that had been helping him quell the rebellion. In November 1276, Ottokar and Rudolf ended up signing a peace treaty. Ottokar's son, Václav, was married off to Judith, who was Rudolf's daughter, and then things were quiet for two years. But after two years, Ottokar had just had enough, just stewing over what had been taken from him. One assumes there was plenty more kneeling from the new Holy Roman Emperor as well, and Ottokar once again launched an attack against Rudolf and his new Hungarian buddy, King Ladislav IV. On August 28, 1278, the Battle of the Marchfield took place in Lower Austria, one of the largest cavalry battles of the entire Middle Ages. During the battle, Ottokar was defeated and killed. To be nice, Rudolf had the body laid out in Vienna, and then 11 years later that body would be moved to St. Vitus Cathedral here in Prague, and Ottokar's son, Václav, now called Václav II, became king of Bohemia. He was six years old. The legacy of these two kings cannot be overstated. As mentioned before, Václav I pioneered many of the elements that would be associated with medieval court life, like jousting in tournaments and bards, as well as the rise of those marketplaces that we still like to recreate today. Friars first came to Prague in 1232, and in 1235, Václav had walls built around Old Town to protect it. He also founded many other towns in his lands, gave a charter to Prague's Old Town in 1240. 
encouraged closer ties and immigration from German lands, and allowed Jews to settle here for a fee. His son Ottokar II extended his father's welcome of Jews and issued them a general privilege in 1254, integrating them into Czech society for centuries to come. Among other things, Jews could now hold important positions, even in government. This Jewish community flourished, relatively speaking, compared to the, how they were doing in the rest of Europe, and the old new synagogue was built in 1270. Many historians think Ottokar II is really second only to Charles IV, as far as great Czech kings. He managed to grab land all the way down to the Adriatic. This might be where Shakespeare got the phrase Coast of Bohemia in The Winter's Tale. He founded many towns in Bohemia, Moravia, and Silesia, and also in Austria and Styria. He had the Hofburg Palace built in Vienna. He also built Krivoklak Castle, which would become a hunting lodge and later a prison. He built Bezdiez Castle, which was used as a prison for his six-year-old son after he died. And he extended work at Zvikov Castle that had been started by his grandfather and namesake, Ottokar I, he of the Papal Bull. His father had fended off the Mongols, and he had dealt rather effectively with the Hungarians when all was said and done. He also Christianized the Prussians, who were a Baltic people. The Teutonic Order founded Königsberg in his honor. And while his father had founded Yichlava, Ottokar was the first to start exploiting the silver deposits found there, initiating a series of mines, and creating a business that would spread throughout the Czech lands and help make the Bohemian crown quite a rich and influential player in Europe. Ottokar II also started the foundations of Czech law. The oldest Czech legal document, known as the Zemska Desky, or Land Registry, is from his time, and so are the first written communal legal documents. He issued civic charters, putting towns in the hands of officials rather than the previous system of only being in the hands of nobles who could then pass it on to their children or designated inheritors. Estates could also be bought and sold. Ottokar also eliminated many of the trappings of feudalism, though he did keep rent and taxes, but people were no longer considered property tied to the land that they lived on. Ottokar II actually was in the line of secession for the Holy Roman Empire, but he never really managed to get that crown. He's actually mentioned in Dante's Divine Comedy, hanging around the gates of purgatory with Rudolf, who had become Holy Roman Emperor instead. So Ottokar I managed to get a kingship permanently for Bohemia, and his son and grandson made pretty good with that. The Pchemoslids were clearly major players, not just in Central Europe, but in all of Europe. Unfortunately, the family would have only two more kings before the Luxembourgers would take over. But that is another episode. Thank you for listening to this episode of Prague Times. If you liked this episode, be sure to like it or share it and tell your friends. Check us out on all of our social media platforms for extra goodies as well. Until next time, this has been Prague Times. <laughs>